Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Chucky Kobe, the Super Bowl winner. Today, we're talking about how people love to go to the Wizard of Oz to solve their problems, but ultimately, the only one who can solve your problems is yourself. Today, we're going to up-level our inner game. Chucky, welcome. I've been listening to a lot of your story today. I didn't know that you wrote like a hundred letters to every school and Purdue was the one and only to accept you and give you a scholarship. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, those are the things that happen that a lot of times in the moment, it can seem like, wow, this is crazy. But, you know, after time, we have a moment to get that press box view, like really look back, watch the film, see what happened and say, no, everything happened the way it was supposed to. You know, a lot everything happened the way it was supposed to. And a lot of times we use logic to explain things away. But no, everything just happened the way it was supposed to. Sometimes there is no logic to it. It's just the way the universe is working. I didn't get into a youth performing arts school. And I ended up getting in on the second go around. But the thing is, is like, I never felt accepted. Like for four years, I never sang out. I had all of these like negative voices and it really took my confidence away for a long time. You know, the funny thing is, is you said negative voices, but there's nobody else in there but you. And see, that's just an example of how we do this to ourselves. It's like I always say success is simple. People are complex and we complicate situations in that way is a lot of times when you can't necessarily use logic to fill in all the gaps as to why I didn't get my result, why didn't things go my way? we start to fill in the story with reasons, but they're all just really came from your imagination in an attempt to comfort yourself in a moment when you couldn't make sense of your world. At the end of the day, if you're going to make up a story, why not make up a story that feels good? What was really interesting is when someone asked you, like, was the best moment when you won the ring? And you said it was all of the games that led up to that. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, that's the thing is all these years later, here we are, it's 2021. So we won, that was 16 seasons ago that we won the Super Bowl. And so if you go to Wikipedia, you go to the history books, it's going to say who won Super Bowl 40, Pittsburgh Steelers. But the thing is, for those of us that lived it, there's a lot more stories there that over time get lost. You know, they're not going to keep telling all these stories over and over. And so the experience we went through as a team, you know, especially having lost three games in a row, we almost didn't even make the playoffs. Like there was a lot of soul searching that a lot of people had to do in terms of learning how to understand that unconscious, the deeper part of yourself, the emotional body, if you will, because all of that stuff's happening in the part of the mind that you're not conscious of. So if you don't know what you don't know, A lot of times, if you don't handle your business internally, if you don't get your inner game right, then you're not going to be able to experience moments like that. So we had to go through a lot just to be able to call ourselves champions. And people will always remember it because I got that ring and everything. It kind of makes you a little conspicuous. But the stories, those are those are things that, you know, 
nobody else saw it from my perspective. Nobody else felt my joy. Nobody else felt my pain. And, and so to me, I remember the entire experience, not just that day. What was your experience? Essentially, all it is, is this whatever story I told myself about what I saw, what I heard and what I felt. And that's all that life really is. So we go back to that moment. A lot of times people will see somebody who won the Super Bowl and they'll say, that must have been something really big. I could never imagine what that would be like for me. Why not? I mean, to me, what most people don't realize is that winning the Super Bowl is just a feeling and it's a feeling you're already intimately familiar with. So you just think back to those moments, what you saw, what you heard, what you felt, and you realize that, you know, this whole experience just was something that gave me those butterflies, that feeling of excitement in the stomach, you know? It makes your pulse raise as experiences that make your breath shallow and your heart's just beating in your ears. And you see those things now, things that took you to levels of satisfaction, pride and fulfillment that felt so right. It almost feels wrong, but you love it. You, you obsess about it, obsess because it feels so good to think about. It. And if you just hold on to that feeling right there, that's what it feels like to win the Super Bowl. So the question is this, what's preventing me from having this feeling in my marriage or in my job or as a parent? And this is what basic instructions my mastery is all about is that recognizing that even though from the outside, you know, the pomp and circumstance of the NFL and the Super Bowl, it's a really big accomplishment, but understand it was a human experience. And so my highest potential as a football player is to become a Super Bowl champion, but you don't have to play Super Bowl to reach your highest ideal. If you could reach that highest ideal in, in any other area of life, what's preventing you from feeling that excited about it? Have you so reached much, that in other areas of your life? I reach it every, I reach it a hundred times a day because it's all in your head. Your entire world is in your head. Even as you're looking at this computer and looking at me on the screen, what you're seeing is a picture inside your head based on the information you took in through your optic nerve. Your world's in your head. So think about all those memories. You know, you you remember what you saw, what you heard, the emotions you felt, kinesthetically what you felt. And that creates that picture in your mind. So it's like, all I got to do is go back to that memory. That's all I got to do is go back to that memory is I can actually go back in time and just remember what I saw, what I felt, what I heard and recreate it and relive that same feeling again and again and again, anytime you want to. You know, I can guide you through it and give you basic instructions so that you can do it so that you can see it in your mind. So a lot of different things that people don't understand, you don't know what you don't know. That's one thing that Coach Cowher told us, you know, back when we lost three games in a row. We were about to be out of the playoffs. We ended up being the year we won the Super Bowls. You don't know what you don't know. And it's what you don't know that you don't know that's actually running the show. So since you don't know what you don't know, how do you know what you think you know is right? And so a lot of times people, especially as adults now, is we get to the point where we start to believe we know. We know how things are. As long as you know, you can't learn. Because what you're saying to yourself is that I know everything. So any other information that's not exactly what I believe is right, I reject. You literally can't learn if you think you know everything. Most of us, we don't go deep inside. We're always looking outside. I mean, it's like, like the Vegas Strip, you know? You got all kinds of tabloid stories. You got all kinds of different entertainment nowadays between the internet and the television and whatever else is out there and all these things are outside. So our attention tends to go outside, but our reality is inside. Think about it like this. The only way you know how to make sense of the world outside of your body is through your five senses, what you see, 
what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you feel. It's just sensory data. It's just sensory information. So we just collect all that sensory data and we collect it up in the brain and make sense of it or interpret it. And that's how you get the picture in your head. Let's just say, hypothetically, somebody's pissing you off. It's like, are they really? Because they're out there in your feelings, that anger's inside and there's nobody inside but you. So who's, who's responsible for your anger, them or you, or the story you're telling about whatever you see them doing? You're in charge. And once you, once you start to take that responsibility, things like winning the Super Bowl really aren't that hard. It's, there's principles that you got to understand when you're looking at reaching your highest level. So if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a rapper, if you want to be an athlete, or you want to be a millionaire mogul, it's the same basic instructions. And now it's about teaching other people, entrepreneurs, to do the same thing in their chosen endeavors, whatever that might be. I did read that somebody pissed you off at a bar. Uh, that happens to everybody. We've all done what we've done. Like, we make mistakes. Things happen. That was back when I was in Pittsburgh. I haven't lived in Pittsburgh almost four years now. Now it's, it's about showing people how powerful they actually are, how much you're really working with up top. And a lot of the issues you have in life that you think are too hard, stop telling yourself that story because that's why it feels that way. That story's inside. Your feelings of, of not being enough, that's inside too. You're doing all of this. And it's just most people don't know the basic instructions of how their minds work or their emotions work. And so they go through life in different areas, whether it be your relationships, your career, your physical fitness, believing that they're lacking when it's not so much you're lacking, you just don't have the instructions of how. It's like learning how to tie your shoes or drive a car. Yeah, it seemed real complex at first. Once you practice and you do it over and over, then whatever you don't know how to do or believe you can't right now, if we let go of the story, I can't, I'm not. If you let go of that, your whole world will open up. Have you been able to apply that to your relationship with your dad? My dad, my dad passed away in 2005. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Don't be sorry. Life is a dichotomy of the before and after. So to me, my dad passing is not something that anybody would want. No, you wouldn't wish that. No. However, if I fight against the reality that this is part of life, that we lose people, we lose pets, we lose, you know, all kinds of relationships of people that we love, it's all part of it. And so that pain when, you know, you lose somebody you love, it's, just one half of the dichotomy. In life, everything's a dichotomy. You've got man, you've got woman, you've got hot, you've got cold. Everything's a dichotomy. We got black, we got white. And recognize you can't even make sense of one side without the other, which means it's not two things, it's one. Because without one side, the other side can't exist. So when I feel that pain of losing somebody close to me, it's understanding, and I've adopted the belief a long time ago that I can't feel that level of pain if I didn't have an equal and opposite amount of gratitude for having them in my life in the first place. That's really so beautiful. When I, so when I think about people I've lost, what I think about is when I had them, you can't feel that kind of grief without an equal and opposite counterweight of love. It's all one thing. And this is where we start to gain a better sense of these things in life that we keep labeling hard. They're not hard. You just keep telling yourself that story. A lot of times, you know, people don't necessarily understand their emotions, negative emotions, like check this out. It's funny because it's like when I was at Purdue, Coach Tiller, he was always into this mind games and psychology stuff. 
And he used to say these little things. He was just saying like in passing. But a lot of times, you know, we would tell guys' minds were somewhere else other than practice. You know, we're in stretch lines getting ready. And then Coach Tiller would be like, just get your mind off your mind, guys. And he would just say it and walk away. And what he means is stop telling yourself this victim story. Stop it. That's, to me, we are in control. There's nobody else in my mind but me, I think, right? So who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your emotions? All of that is inside. And so whatever I'm interested too, because like when you started at Purdue, like wasn't Purdue kind of like an underdog? Purdue was a, was, you know, traditionally a losing program at that point. I know my first year was 96. That was like the 11th or 12th consecutive losing season. You know, and so what happens is as a community, you know, because you're part of that community, as a community, people begin to lose faith in the team because the team usually disappoints them. So then, again, those young men are out there playing sports and they're experiencing the heartbreak of the actual loss, which is a totally different emotional response than if you're in the stands for most people. The players start to believe that Purdue equals less than. But the thing is, what's what Coach Tiller came in and taught us is like, no, you get, you define, you say, you tell the world what this P means on your helmet. You get, you get to define what it means to be a Boilermaker. We define that. History doesn't define that. So think about that as far as yourself as an individual, when people judge you on your past, like, come on now, like I'm here now and I'm going forward. So what happened in the past doesn't define who I am right now. It doesn't give me any limits as to what I can be, do or have as a football player, as a human being. You get to tell the story from where you are right now going forward and the future hasn't happened. So anything positive, the best case scenario is still in play. It's still in play. As long as the future isn't the present, whatever your best case scenario, it's still a possibility. So why not just tell yourself that story? Because it feels better than telling the other one. Basic instructions. Because we need to learn to get back into rapport with ourselves. How do you do that? How do you do that? Is you start taking control of the conversation, period. Only think about what you want. Don't think about what you don't want. And, you know, I've had somebody the other day challenge me, say, oh, well, ignoring your problems isn't going to make them go away. I said, I never said that was going to happen. You want to be aware of what you don't want, but you don't want to constantly talk about and focus on what you don't want because when you focus on what you don't want that's going to bring up memories or images of what you don't want so that picture in your mind is going to trigger the emotions of you actually having what you don't want when you don't even have it you're just imagining it we have to learn this mental and emotional discipline to learn how to understand how emotions work so that we can regulate them when we need to. You keep saying, I have anxiety, I have anxiety, I have anxiety. That becomes the soundtrack to your life. But if you stop saying that, then maybe you'd stop triggering it. And so how do you do it? Well, it's like anything. If you've never done it before, it takes practice. You just have to make the decision that you want to change and then actively, consciously change it. It's not a complicated thing. It's just that the emotions, because we don't necessarily understand them and we have negative emotions, which don't feel so good. So we tend to believe that negative emotions are bad. They're not bad. They're negative. It's like a battery. The battery has a positive and a negative side. Is there a bad side to the battery? No, it's just a negative side. So you have positive emotions like happiness, like gratitude, like love. You have negative emotions like anger, like fear, like guilt, and they're all good. Do you understand what they mean? 
to you? What's actually happening when you feel whatever, whatever you label fear? Do you understand what's happening when you feel whatever you label anger? Do you know what it means? Why would nature give us these emotions when they don't feel good? So why do we, why do I have to feel them? It all goes back to just evolution and the way the human animal evolved before we had civilization, before we lived in cities and towns and groups like this. So you think back how many or however many thousands and thousands of years ago, and we're living in the mountains and the woods and the jungles with the other wild animals, right? It's a much more dangerous place to live than we live right now. So imagine, you know, I get up early in the morning one day and go to hunt for my family, I'm going to kill some food so to feed my kids and my wife. And so I get up early, everybody's still asleep and I'm walking through the woods, it's a beautiful morning and thinking to myself, you know, how beautiful my wife was when I, she was sleeping there. When I got up this morning, I'm thinking about, you know, how funny my daughter is, the joke she told me the other day. And I'm just generally having a good morning. So I go to the creek, I go get a drink of water. And all of a sudden in my peripheral, I see a pack of wolves, right? So once I see those wolves, that fear is going to kick in, right? And what the fear means in this context is, hey, 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 pay attention. Here's the problem today in 2021 is we live in an infinitely safer world, but fear acts the same. So what happens is I start to feel this feeling and I need to project this somewhere. I have to find something outside to attribute this feeling to. That's when I start to say, he's pissing me off. He's outside. No, but the feeling's inside. You're misinterpreting it. You see what I mean? Is but we So we look outside. So now because the world is so much safer and there's not a pack of wolves, now I'm afraid of what you think of me. See how it works? Mm -hmm. All you have to do is unplug from the matrix, whatever you learned in the past that you believe, put it to the side and open yourself up to look at things, to learn a new way to look at it. When did you learn that? When I was at Purdue in 1997. Really? When I learned it. Yeah, because I was I was a Jim Coletto recruit and he left and I was scared. I was scared. I didn't know Joe Tiller didn't offer me a scholarship at Wyoming. I was scared. And so to me, I thought that my dreams for the future, my professional dreams were in jeopardy. And so at that point, with the amount of fear I had, nobody else offered me a scholarship this new guy who I believe he didn't want me in Wyoming, which isn't necessarily true, but that's what I believe. That was the story. So I went to find a solution and I went to a used bookstore and I found a book and, and that's kind of sent me down a rabbit hole and started you know, watching videos, listening to, to CDs, audiobooks, all this stuff and started learning about mind mastery. And so I started to do that back in college and I didn't tell anybody because it was my advantage. I was doing this to save myself so many times. We human beings, we keep blaming everything and every, everyone else, especially entrepreneurs. Everything's not my fault. It's COVID's fault. It's, it's the government's fault. It's everybody's fault. No, it's, it's you because you're misinterpreting the negative emotion. Negative emotion is just your own unconscious mind telling you, hey, pay attention, just like the wolves. But instead, because fear or anger doesn't feel good, we try to avoid it or we stuff it down. You're, you're misinterpreting it. And it keeps coming back because you're not learning the lesson. Your unconscious mind is your best friend. It wants you to have the lesson. That's why it makes you feel these anger and fear and sad emotions so that you pay attention to certain aspects of life in which you need to make a change. But instead, you blame someone else. And as long as it's their fault, the problem never leaves. I'm like, how were you listening to those tapes 
and like partying and having the groupies and doing all those other things. I wasn't really doing that. Like to me, those are aspects of human life where you're going to have relationships and you're going to have other aspects of life. But to me, the entire time I had a vision of what I wanted to do with my life before I even knew I was going to Purdue. I was looking to save that bigger mission, the bigger mission. And so if Coach Coletto was my guy and he left, well, I need to save myself. And that was a decision I made at 18. I need to save myself. And so what don't I know that I need to know? What don't I know that I could use to my advantage? And so everybody's lifting weights, everybody's watching film, everybody's practicing, but I wanted something different, something more that other people didn't know. And so that's what set me down a path of learning about accelerated human change, NLP, mind mastery, mental and emotional release. So now I'm, a, I'm an emotional intelligence expert and it all started back at Purdue when I was scared, that's an emotion, and I needed to figure out a way to overcome it. And that's where I learned all of this. That's amazing. I feel like that's yeah. early to be doing that. It's early or late. I mean, again, that's a comparison. It's early compared to what? It, it was the, that was the point in my life when it was supposed to happen in my life. And that's it. You know, everything goes down the way it's supposed to. That's why you look at your situation in trying out for the school. Now everything went down the way it was supposed to. You were born to the father you were supposed to be born to. And he was supposed to provide that type of support for you. That's your story. You can't compare it to anyone because you've never happened before. Think about that. You got a parent, you got a mother, she's not you. If you have a daughter, you're not her. Each one of us is a virgin experience on this planet. So who can I compare? It's not early, it's my story. Is that's when it was supposed to happen. All the things I did at Purdue, all the things I did in the National Football League, those were simply to give me a platform for me to teach the world about basic instructions about you know a kid who didn't think anybody wanted him. One coach gave him a chance and then left him in the middle of Indiana. It was what had to happen in my story in order for me to grow up. It's what had to happen. I got a choice to make. I can give up because I don't know Coach Tiller or I can decide that God's given me this opportunity and it's up to me to make it work. And so a lot of times when things aren't the way you want them to be and we're not exactly sure how to get there, we all kind of have those moments in life where we feel like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And it's funny because people don't really think of the story this way in that Dorothy's in a crisis. All of a sudden, everything turned a vivid color out of nowhere. She's surrounded by all these little people. It's like, what is that about? And why does that woman look like that? Look at her face. What is that skin and her breath? And she's focused on my shoes for some reason. And Dorothy's just like, you know, I don't want none of this. I just want to go home. I just want to go to Kansas. I just want to go back to Kansas, okay? Believing she herself didn't have the ability to get the results she wanted, she asked everybody else, where should I go? What should I do? Go see the wizard. Follow the yellow brick road. If there's anybody out here who has what you need, this is the guy. Go see the wizard. He can get you anything you want. So believing she herself didn't have the ability, she said, I, this is advice I got to follow. She goes down the yellow brick road. Now on that trip, we met three characters, right? First one doesn't think he's smart enough. Second one doesn't think he's tough enough or has the heart. Third one doesn't think he's got the courage. And so with this thinking, they head down the yellow brick road, overcoming all kinds of obstacles. The trees came alive, monkeys are flying, all kinds of craziness. They overcame it to get to what they believe was the solution, the wizard, only to find out what. There's no wizard. If you want this result, Dorothy, it's up to you to take the necessary actions to make it happen. You're going to have to do it for yourself. And so Dorothy's sitting here thinking, 
why does this have to be so hard? Am I stuck in a situation? I just want to go home. I don't want that much. I just want to go home. Why does that have to be so difficult? Well, hold on a second. Let's go back to the beginning of the crisis. What was that green lady's deal? Why was she focused on the shoes? Because Dorothy had the shoes the entire time down the yellow brick road, right? You recognize now? It wasn't until somebody gave her the basic instructions of how it works that she realized how easy it is to have whatever it is that you want. So relate that to life now, your life, anybody else's life. They believe that they can't. I'm not. That's just a story you keep telling yourself. Because remember, The Wizard of Oz was a dream. So those three characters, they were in Dorothy's head. You're in control. All you got to do is find out the basic instructions of how you can have the life experience, that Super Bowl level sensation in your life. But to me, what make my pulse race is gonna be different than what makes your pulse race. You see what I mean? Everybody's gonna be different. Everyone's gonna be unique to that unique individual. So it's about learning about yourself and what is it that really, really makes me feel that way? What are my deepest values in the various areas of life? Because you may have different values in your relationships than you have in your job. You may have different values with your higher power than you do in your health and fitness. So that's where the getting to know yourself, getting back into rapport with yourself. You got to start, stop looking for the wizard and start looking in here. All the answers are in here. You got the shoes. Just figure out what are the basic instructions? How do I metaphorically click three times and get what I want? If you don't know you, then you're always going to be searching for the wizard. And remember, there isn't one. I want to know some of your other butterfly moments. Butterfly moments? Well, I mean, there's a lot of them. Each one's individual to that individual. So for me, you know, I think back to some of my best memories in sports. You know, sports ones are always big ones. You know, there's so much pomp and circumstance around them. We're on TV and everything, 68,000 people. There's a lot of sensory information, a lot of sights, a lot of sounds, a lot of feelings. So those ones are always going to stick out. It's just that for the individuals, if you think back to the 2000 season, you know, we're celebrating the 20th year of the Rose Bowl because we were supposed to last year with the pandemic. So we're doing it this year. And you go back to that season, we had some really big wins. It would be Michigan, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Ohio State, four in a row. And those were really big games. You know, we had rushed the field three out of six home games that season. So there's a lot of individual moments for me as an individual, which may not be a big highlight you're going to see on a, on a film. But for me, it was a highlight in here. You know what I mean? Beating Michigan October 8th, 2000 is by far. It, that was bigger than the Super Bowl. That was bigger than anything for me as an individual. And it's because of what that game meant to me and certain things that happened leading up to that game that season. And so, you know, having the opportunity to speak to my teammates with no coaches, it was just the players in the room and basically telling them that, you know, we just lost two games to Notre Dame, to Penn State that we should have won. Essentially, I was like, so we're just going to lay down and die? Or are we going to stop this bleeding right now? And I just, no coaches. I just want to talk to my teammates. You were good at football when you took that scholarship, so earn it. And I just told the freshman flat out, like, I don't care. I don't care. You have to make the decision that anything other than a victory on Saturday is simply unacceptable. And from there, let that be your belief system and let all your behaviors be consistent with that belief that I'm going to win. We had our moment as a team and we came out and won. And that's that's a big one that sticks out for me. I think about that probably every day of my life. It pops into my head. 
you can bring up that memory anytime you want, which means you can bring up that feeling anytime you want. So instead of telling myself stories about how I can't and I'm not, why not tell that story? See what I mean now? Success is simple. People are complex. My whole purpose in life is to show people that whatever you think you are, you're a lot more than that. Whatever you think you can't or you're not, you're wrong. And so the only thing is you've been telling that story so long that you started to believe it, but it's never been true. Not only do I need to desire to have that success, I have to believe that it's possible for me. I have to believe that, you know, only got one scholarship to play college football. That's all I needed. I can only be on one team anyway. So to me, that was enough evidence for me to tell me I can do it. He's a, he's a big 10 football coach. He gave me a scholarship. He told me I can do it. That's all I need. And he left. And I said, I still held on to that belief. How am I going to get rid of this anxiety, this insecurity, this fear that this new coach, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. I don't, he doesn't like me. Stories, stories. This Did is you feel that way? Yeah, this, this is what I'm talking about is you start to tell yourself stories because you're scared. And that's what I did when Coach Coletta left. That's how I felt. Mm. I was scared. That's where you get to that choice point where you could say, okay, oh, Coach Coletta's gone. The world is ending. Everything's over. Or you could say, no, I said I'm going pro and that's what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to do. Coach Coletta's gone. I don't know, but I'm going to figure out how. I can learn. So like you see people will be like, well, I can't talk in front of people. Okay, but what if to have, be, do, or have your Super Bowl, you need to learn how to do it. Would you keep telling that story? That's it. That's it. Is it, That's what Coach Tiller taught us. You saw it with your own two eyes. Listen, just because they said you're not enough doesn't make it true. With the work I do in integrated psychology, mindset, mental performance, coaching, I use a lot of different examples, analogies, metaphors. And so one of the, my favorite ones to really illustrate this to, to people is just using organized religion. Now, I don't consider myself to be a very religious person. You know, I have my own faith, but I wouldn't say, you know, as far as like organize your traditional religions. I kind of like them. I like a, different parts of all of them. That's just me. So, but if you have a faith, if you believe in higher power and you believe in that higher power, to the very center core of your being you are so congruent in your belief in god that means you know how to believe so why not just turn that power on yourself it's a choice just make a choice just because you never have done something doesn't mean you can't you can still believe in your ability to do it because without that how are you ever going to get there Oh, I know it's totally possible. I mean, I went to Tony Robbins and I feel like when you reach, like he helps you get to a different peak state, that whole like walking on goals thing or putting your hand through a board. I didn't even realize that I had broken the board till the trainer held it up and I saw that it was snapped in half. I was just paying attention to every single thing that they told me to do and believing that my hand was going through it. That's it. That's, that's it. Like we, when our success is simple. We are complex. How do we complicate things? Our stories. Right. I believe that. If you stop telling that story, that gives you a chance. If you're telling a story I can't, you have no chance. You have no chance. You literally are linguistically setting up a limit. I can't. So boom, you just literally are tuning your mind to not be able to do it because you're telling that story. So it's like, okay, I've never done it, but that doesn't mean I can't. Like I used to say, in college, we used to get together. We had a pretty good online. So, you know, I was never the best player on my team. I mean, I played with Breeze. So 
was never the best player on my team. So, you know, but I always saw myself as the emotional leader, the energy, the fire in the belly, you know, we used to get together on the sideline and I used to get the O-line together and be like, you know, today we're going to win because of us. All these people in Ross A came to see Breeze, but they're going to see us. We're going to be that good. Can you see it? They would say, yeah, I could see it. And I said, I don't, I don't believe you. You understand that middle linebacker, I hope his mom's not here today because she's going to be embarrassed. That's how bad I'm going to do. They're going to have sports center highlights of us, the offensive line, because we are going to wreak havoc on this defense. Can you see it? You say, yeah, I can see it. I say, close your eyes. So see it. See yourself just completely obliterating anybody in the opposite uniform. Nobody, anybody that touches you just bounces off. That's how good we are. Can you see it? They say, yeah, I can see it. I said, well, then let's be it. Stick to that story of success simply because it feels good. My oldest wants to know how much you can bench press. I'm a lot smaller than I used to be. Back in college is when I was the strongest. The most I ever bench pressed in my life was forever. I was like 18. It was like 495 pounds, something like that. The funny thing is there was somebody who bench pressed more than me, but that was probably the strongest I ever been. There's no point in being that strong anymore. So, wow. Was that a butterfly moment when you did that? Uh, it was, it was, uh, there's a lot of different things going on. Cause when you had that much weight on top of you, you know, there's part of you that just, I, I want to get this up. Cause I just don't want to drop this on top of me. So there's a lot of things, there's a lot of focus and, you know, it was, it was a cool moment. Yeah, how did you reach that level of strength? Just work at it. Like literally just do what you know will make you stronger and be disciplined in that. Decide that I want to be, I want to play at a certain level. I want to be certain, have a certain level of prowess and skill in what I do. I want to be one of the best. So you just continue to work and push to see how good you can be. You're not necessarily competing against other people. You're competing against yourself. How far can I go? And so when you look at it that way, you find out things about yourself that you didn't know were possible. Something else that I'm really interested in is after you went pro, like the people who didn't, was that hard for you? No, my story was right on schedule. I mean, to me, I I wasn't worried about anybody else. To me, I'm living my life experience. And to me, I decided what I wanted. I put in the work, so I got the reward. Other people, I don't know what you were doing with your time. I don't know what you, you know, I don't know where you cut corners. I don't know where you could have done something more. I don't know what more they could have. I don't know. I've never felt their pain. I've never seen the world from their perspective. So how did you meet your wife? Blind date. Nice. It's one of those things where I wasn't looking for anything. I didn't have anything to do that night. And, uh, you know, we clicked. But that's it, where everything happens the way it's supposed to. If I went out looking for that person, I mean, I probably never found it. But it happened the way it's supposed to. You had this dream. You saw Andre the Giant. You saw sports stars. You looked at them like, okay, others think that they're great and I want to be like that. I can relate to that a lot. Would you say that that was your motivation for wanting to get into sports? Nope, not at all. It was because... At home, things were tough between my parents, so I used to leave the house okay. just to get out of the house. Wow. It, it, I did not want to be there. There's fighting. There's all, I didn't want to be there. And when I played sports, I was pretty good at it. And so I didn't really feel any self-worth at home. And sports was where I liked myself. And that's it. It was a very spiritual and emotional thing, is that this is when I felt good about life. And so I figured if I could do this with my life, then life would be worth living. 
Wow. I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm from Squirrel Hill, which is the second largest Jewish community in this country. I grew up in a, in a world where people, nobody looked like me. And even when I'm around other black kids, I'm, my parents are Nigerian. I was African, so I wasn't like them. I didn't fit in anywhere unless I was playing sports. I didn't fit in anywhere. That was my belief. That's the way the world looked to me from my perspective. It gave me self-worth. It made me like myself. And that's what people never think about that. The name of the game of life is happiness. It's not winning the Super Bowl. It's happiness. And that's why I did it is when I was a kid at that young age, it made me happy. People always ask, how are you doing? You know, how's your job going? How things? No one ever asks, hey, are you happy? It's that cut and dry. Either you choose your story or you let the world choose one for you. You are always in charge. There's nobody in your mind but you. There's nobody in your heart but you. You're in charge. You just have to decide to take control. Do you think everyone can choose that? I know for a fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'll put my life on the line on my father's grave and my mother's life. Everyone can do it. They need to stop telling their sorry victim stories about why they can't and they're not and start to choose a story that feels good. And if you make a habit of that, you will feel good all the time. If you learn to look at your problems and think about solutions instead of thinking about how that problem's stopping you, then you won't see it as a problem so much anymore. You start to think about solutions. You start to think about happy. You need to think about what you want, not what you don't want. Instead of thinking about not wanting to be in the house, I thought about going outside to be happy. Are there like little changes that can get no, you there? No, you need to make the decision to stop with the BS and decide that you're not going to put up with the negative anymore. Mm. You, have to, you have to demand that from yourself. And if you don't, you will be unhappy and it will be because you chose it. Because you didn't decide to look and think about what you want and not what you don't want. Because you didn't decide to go after what makes you happy instead of spending your life running away from what makes you sad. You need to focus on what you want and decide that you won't take anything less, just like we did against Michigan on October 8th, 2000. That's my birthday. That's So there you go. That's, that's, there's the lesson. Is in order to take control of your life, you have to take control of your mind and your heart. That's pretty remarkable. It's simple. You want to be happy? make the decision. And then what I do as a coach and, and as a trainer is I teach people how to click three times metaphorically is that you may not know exactly how you can't, how you're going to do it, but make the decision that you believe you can. And I will find the basic instructions to get it done by any means necessary. That's what I did at Purdue. The rest is history. I want to know what your favorite rap song is or was. So many years, I can go all the way back to third grade when I got my first Beastie Boys tape to songs that I just heard this year that are, that are great. And, you know, I have my favorite artists. I got my favorite, you know, different songs for different times, but I'm a big Eminem fan, Royce the Five Nine, those Detroit rappers. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of those guys and, you know, just the way that they put together words and they're able to paint pictures with words. So I like to see myself as having that same type of verbal prowess as, you know, Marshall Mathers, but he's a rapper, I'm a speaker. It's two different things. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good Later. night. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. I like Chucky's story. The irony is that sometimes our greatest moments are when we actually have those butterflies, when we actually have the fear of the ultimate loss or lost opportunity. And those that really then step up when those times occur and rise to a 
a higher level. How many times have probably Chucky had seen certain, whether it's football players or basketball players, where even during the regular season, they're playing at a, a great level. But when it comes to playoff time, when it comes to certain situations in a game where they step up and play outside, not only their parameter, but the parameter of everyone around them, where they step up to a, a higher level, where they, they graduate from being a master to being a, a super master, or where they, they just make plays that are just unbelievable. It's called leveling up. And that comes from people that get all their juices flowing and uh, with the practice and experience that they've had and the enthusiasm and desire to win gets that adrenaline flowing. And they're able to use that extra work, that extra studying to elevate themselves. And I agree with Chucky that that potential we all have, but we have to be able to find what really we love to do and where we can give it our very all and where you surround yourself with people that are positive and enthusiastic to do the same thing. And it feeds on itself. And that's what gives human nature tremendous potential to continue to graduate to higher and higher and higher levels. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 